Hello and welcome to Come Out and Play, the D&D podcast that's all trans, all the time. My name is Benjamin, my pronouns are he, him, and I will be your DM for this campaign. My name is Moss, I use Z, them pronouns, and I'm playing Ember, who uses they, them pronouns. They are a human paladin of the singing flame. My name is Mel, I use they, them pronouns. I play Trick, who also uses they, them pronouns. Trick is a huge human warrior and Ember's elder sibling. My name is Haz, I use they, them pronouns, and I play Maynard, who uses he, him pronouns, and he is a skittish wizard. I'm Chris, I play Rill, and we both use he, him pronouns. Okay, so, last episode... Wandering the shattered halls of the Divine Plane of Stonewalker. Possibly being tracked by a very angry angel. Looking for Rill's mother. You went through a... You went through a number of halls and corridors. Uh, Some of them ended in dead ends. At one point, you reached a great chasm in reality, which you decided not to try and jump across, but, but instead found your way to a maze, a crystalline maze of quartz-like rock, and in the center of which was a highly decorated golden goblet containing a glittering white liquid, which Rill immediately decided to drink. <laughs> and was blessed with a, with a memory he had previously forgotten. Mm-hmm. At which point the maze rearranged itself and let you proceed. Shortly afterwards you stopped uh, briefly cast a sending to Rail's mother to warn her that she was about to be scried on. And she said, roughly, I'm very busy right now. Don't panic. Which did not encourage Rail not to panic. Cast scrying using a handly nearby crystal ball, which is not a thing that is difficult to find in the realm of Stonewalker. Uh, And uh, caught the, uh, the tail end of a fierce battle against some kind of giant peacock creature, uh, which uh, your mother appeared successful in. And I think that that was where we stopped. Yes, that sounds right. Okay, what do you want to do? Well, Rill is immediately up on his feet. Um, (laughs) He (laughs) is uh, explaining to the rest of the party what he saw, presuming that they couldn't see it in the crystal ball. They would not have been able to see it, no. Okay. Yeah, he's explaining, you know, she's fine, there's other people with her, they were fighting a big, some sort of weird big bird, and they all looked okay, but still, we know she's okay, and she's here, and we can keep looking. And now I can I can track, um, I can track her weapons, or, or anything else that I saw in there. I'm familiar enough with it. I, I think I should have a good handle on it. All right. But we do have our uh, our friend tracking us, and I don't know if we want to bring them uh, an extra unexpected guest. Do you all think we should take care of him first? I mean, if it's if it's following us, then. As soon as we leave this hut, it probably won't have any trouble tracking us down, but we might be leading it towards your your mom. 
and that's what I was afraid oh, of. That. No, but I mean, sorry, didn't you just say that she, the the sorry? To be clear, your mother, who is with a squad of, with a with a squad of, um, from the sounds of it, highly skilled, uh, highly skilled, uh, drow soldiers. Um, you're worried. You're worried about your. You think it would be better for us to face this celestial by ourselves? No, no. But you raise a good point. We don't know how strong this thing is, but um, yes, you're right. Let yes, us that's, that's what I was also going to say. I think it probably would be better to face it with your mother and crew. Um. Although, perhaps, if you're able, we might want to give her a bit of warning. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. That's, um... Mm. She might have faced these sorts of creatures before. It'd be useful to have a bit of insight on it. Mm-hmm. But if you can't do it now, you should definitely get some rest. No, I can, um... I can, I can do that now. That's, that's fine. I'm still... I'm still okay on that front. Uh, let's see. Give me a moment to compose my, my sending, please. Of course. Uh, let's see. Okay. Um, Brill is going to cast sending again. Mm -hmm. Um, he's going to say, uh, heading your way, bringing a celestial from the library. That's dangerous. I mean, we're not bringing it. It's well, yeah, us. we're not. But I have a, I have a limit, and it's I don't know possibly how possibly following us. Possibly, it might be something else. But we haven't really run into anything else. So wait, no, hang on. Sorry. Wait, Ben. Do we actually know that anything is following us? You have yeah. suspicions. Okay, you okay, don't okay. have a certainty. Okay, cool. You, you, um. Thought you might have heard something sniffing around last night, and yes, you might have heard someone was hearing footsteps behind you today. Right? Yeah. Sorry, I, I've forgotten that part, which is why I was confused. Yeah. So you 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 don't have certainty, but you you have reason to suspect. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sorry, I'm just thinking. Um, trying to compose a response to that. All of them are dangerous. We'll put the kettle on and sharpen our weapons. All right, they're uh, they're warned. Now, let's see if this works. And uh, Rinna like rubs his hands together and um, casts locate object, um, trying to locate uh, the the weapon he saw his mother using. Okay, which was a sword, I believe. Yeah, she was she was yeah, fighting sorry. the sword and shield. Okay. Yeah. Um it does have to be within a thousand feet of of him. Mm. And a thousand feet is really not it, very far. It's not. That's the problem, but if it's within that area at least it's it's great. Um <laughs> the worst thing that could happen is that it doesn't work. Yeah, if we're not close enough, I can always cast again later and see if we're see if we're getting warmer or colder. Mm -hmm. Let me just double check. I don't know if it defaults to the thing. 
It's an object that is a specific object known to you as long as you have seen it up close at least once. It's about 300 meters for uh, those of us. Those of us who don't think in terms of thousand feet, yes. I think most people don't think in terms of thousand feet, to be fair. That's very hard to (laughs) conceptualize. It's about 0.2 miles. Okay. I'd like you to roll... So so two things. Uh, The first is that I would like you to roll me a a sort of retroactive perception check, because the spell normally requires you to have seen the object. Be familiar with it, yeah. Be familiar with it. That's fair. And you were uh, you were scrying, uh, which is more focused on the person than their accoutrement. So, well, my my traditional luck has struck again, guys. That was a net one that adds up to nine. Hold on, <laughs> did, did did you did you not did you not actually perceive anything? <laughs> I, no, what that means is that real real's scrying was just very focused on Mila and not on details of Mila's clothing and weaponry like you saw enough to know that there was a sword unfortunately what you now have is a magically exact compass pointing you toward a trick sword oh no real like is <laughs> facing north in the room or something and like turns around and goes it's that way and then realizes it's like zeroed in on trick and kind of Kind of looks at this magical orb in his hand and shakes it a little bit. <laughs> and then Trick he is holding the nearest sword, so yeah. And then he dismisses it uh, with, with a <laughs> with, with a swear with a hearty swear in <laughs> Elvish. He says, "All right, I think I'll need to try again later. That um, didn't quite come out as planned, but we've." We've got other ways to track. We're getting just follow the gold. We'll get closer eventually. All right. I'm well, gonna, oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to make myself a quick survival check because I thought of something very clever, but I don't know if Trick would. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it for my own satisfaction. Yeah, 19. That's smart enough. That's, um, that's good. So, I mean, it's got. You said it, you said part of the issue was it had a maximum range, right? So if we walk about twice that range. Then that gives us the best coverage. Okay, we just have to hope it's in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, Doc, who's navigating? It has traditionally I mean, been Trick, but real much traditionally me. <laughs> no, yeah, real has nothing to go on, so he's gonna leave it to Trick. <laughs> I I thought that we were long resting. Didn't we not do we that? We did that. Oh, we did, oh, we I did. mean. That at the end of last session, I believe? Yes, that's right. Right, yeah. We slept in that room with all the mirrors. Yeah. Since the last long rest, you've done the maze, and you've done um, this brief stop for for scrying and sendings. Um, You've been going probably about four hours. So, like, you can stop for a long rest if you feel so led, but I would not. No, I just got my day. Right. Should I... You could be like, we're just moving in now. We've decided we like it here. I was telling earlier about going to sleep, so... Mm, sorry. <laughs> Shall I survival us? Yes, please. Yes, please. I'd love to roll survival. as a 17. Hmm. What is Trick looking for in navigation? Where, where is Trick trying to go? So, I, I, I mean... 
I think our general our general um navigational direction is just goldwoods. So I uh, will just I'm just following the gradient as best I can. Yeah, you did, getting you did less get, gold, those, get those directions uh oh from the angel in the library, but that was very much a, a case of this far down and then this far forward. And I believe you, you've pretty much done the down and now you're on the forward, so you're just kind right. of continuing in that direction. Yep. Um oh, hang on. has it been I think it's has it been dawn? Has has a notional dawn happened? Has a dawn analogue occurred? You've had I'm not a long rest? This to be awkward. Yeah. Like since what? Since I threw my javelin, which notionally recharges in sympathy with the dawn. Uh, you've done quite a lot of travel since the javelin, and you've slept, and then you've travelled some more. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say you can have your javelin back. Hey. Sick. Electrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> technically speaking. Oh, poison javelin would be kind of cool, though. All right, as you proceed onwards, you are struck by the hopefully illusion that you are shrinking gradually. Everything around you is becoming bigger and more monumental, but the proportions aren't really changing. So over the yeah, even over over half an hour or so it becomes noticeable and you have this feeling like either you are about a foot shorter than you were or the architecture is imperceptibly growing larger. Hopefully it's that one. The level of gilding through the stonework is is increasing. And the spaces are opening out, even in proportion to themselves, which is now bigger. You're passing out of a fairly tightly honeycombed area and into larger rooms and structures, wider hallways, and where previously you might have encountered steps going up and down. You're finding yourselves on a gently sloping downward ramp that is very gradually widening and, and enlarging. Um, how far do you go before you next... Um, like, if, if you plan on recasting this spell, let me know. Otherwise, if you plan on keep walking, let me know. Uh, I suppose I will call it... I, I, I will identify, you know, we'll talk about it slightly. Uh, after about half a mile, mm -hmm. I will call a stop and be like, Grill, if, do you want to try again? Yeah, yeah, I'll, um, I'll try again. And he is going to try casting Locate Object once more. Okay. You've had a little while to, to think about um, what you saw and what you didn't. Um, I would suggest you have, in fact, had time to conclude that you didn't get a good enough look at the sword, or possibly it just wasn't a distinctive enough weapon to stick in your memory, and you may wish to target something else. Okay. Um... Oh, let me see here. Can't you target a generic type of thing if it's something? Yes, that... you can. Yeah, like but only they would jewelry have. or furniture or. Uh, I, don't I have something they would have that we wouldn't. Yeah. How about literally any iconography of a drought of any, like any iconography or whatever um, battle gods they might have been 
inclined to wear amulets of of, or that kind of thing. Real briefly thinks over everything he has in his bag to make sure that he doesn't have something like that on him. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, wait a minute, that might work. Wait, hold on, let me check my inventory. Um, I think it's probably just me as the voice of your if you're as, as a voice of genius rather than tricks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, he's not entirely sure it's going to work because he doesn't know that they have one on them anymore by this point. But it would be unique. So he's going to take a shot in the dark here. I would encourage you, just because I don't want to to, mm-hmm. to deny you after you've cast the spell, I I don't think iconography is a type of object. Uh, well, an icon would be. Yeah, um, um, but if, just in terms of like embroidery or whatever, I'm not sure that's. Can I make another uh, retroactive perception check to see if uh, real noticed any jewelry or uh, a necklace with some kind of? Yeah, real perception. Oh gosh, I've just had an idea. Uh, Oh. What's your idea? They said they were making tea. <laughs> I don't know Maybe. if she was being facetious or not. No, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> Real did get a 27. That was a good idea, but... <laughs> <laughs> so presumably he did see something. He saw something. I'm just trying to decide um, what he saw. Um... Because there is the very funny option of making him realise that the one thing you lot definitely don't have is a dead giant peacock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, a giant peacock corpse is a type I of object. <laughs> I, does, I guess it does count as an object. I wasn't thinking about it like that. I was like, that's a creature. I can't cast on that. Right, but a dead one is an object. <laughs> I, I guess... <laughs> Yes, it uh, is. However, that's not what really sort of trying to think of. No, um, no, yeah. Uh, what's I'm just trying to think? What looks cool for the fan art? You know. Uh-huh. We're always thinking of the fans, listeners. We are always thinking of the fans, and in this case, uh... in this case, if you'd like to think of us, uh, consider subscribing to our Patreon. <laughs> And also draw pictures of, of, of Mila wearing, like, a really cool, like, slightly shimmery, silvery leather choker. Ooh. Uh, which had, um, it, it was, was intricately painted over the leather with this abstract design in uh, blues and purples. Okay, yeah. Real, um... Remembers that he did see that, and he was he was surprised at how good it looked after all this time. Um, although, as we know, time does pass strangely here. But uh, he will focus on that and hope that um, his spell catches on something. You know what? Why not? I'm doing that thing of like in my head, it's it's further to go, but not in a way where there's anything interesting in the intervening space. So why why am I making you walk further? It doesn't it's not fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like y- yeah, you you you've hit on a thing you could search for, and I'm like, hey, I've got an, I've got a suggestion. Why, why am I making you, which, the is, which is to say that which is to say that this doesn't this doesn't work, and then cut to sometime later when this methodology bears fruit. The the trouble is, I don't want to. Um, like waste an indefinite number of spell slots 
Oh, no, I meant like, you know, like, and then the next day, when you happen to be at the same level on your spells. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not sure there's anything to be gained at That's this fair. point. By delaying so might as well let you get there. Right. No, just, just if it if it if it was required for no, you're, you're, you're right. Um this is this is not a closely mapped out realm. So this time you get you you get a, a response right on the edge of, of the distance the spell can cover. Um somewhat further down, um and and slightly to the left of, of where you've been of, of the direction this this wide corridor runs. Okay. Uh, Rill is going to, to shout in uh, in success and just pelt off down the hallway. Perfect. Is everyone following or are you just letting Rill go off? Uh, following. Just checking. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's like a half second of bemused confusion and then running occurs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Yeah, right. You're thinking about letting Rill go off on his own? <laughs> I mean, he's a liability, but you know. <laughs> I'm sure he's given poor trick heart palpitations, drinking mysterious things out of possibly trapped chalices and whatnot. <laughs> you know, I stopped having to stop my children from doing that when they were like five years of age. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, Rill? Like 110? <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rill. Uh you make it about a hundred feet. Okay. Uh and then the wide but still fundamentally corridor shaped corridor that you're in opens out quite suddenly into a very wide, very tall I guess you could call it a hall? Um, it's about a hundred yards across. It runs on an awfully long way. You're not sure how far. Um, there are niches carved high up on the walls in sort of alternating pattern that looks a bit like a dovecot. If you were inside a very large dovecot. I don't know what that is. It's a pigeon house. Oh. It's it's a it's a little like a shed with entrances at various heights for the pigeons to come and go. Oh, okay. There is a a a, a constant background murmuration as of beaks and feathers and clucking noises. Nothing particularly unsettled by now, but you definitely have the feeling that there is that there are living things in the vicinity in some of these niches down the center of this hall there is a um like a shallow trough except that on the scale of this place it's a stream and it has uh, what looks like clear water flowing down the center of it and there's a smell there's a definite bird smell Mm. All right. Uh, usually, he would take the time to admire this, uh, this you know, beautiful scenery and uh, bask in the fact that there are other living beings around them now that there haven't been for the past day or so.
so that they've been here. Um, but this spell does have a time limit on it, so Rillis, uh, instead, making a note to admire this later, and pelting off in the direction that his spell is leading. Okay. Can I just interrupt yep, uh, for just a second? Um, I don't think I... When did we... What Did we have a fight after... Did, did we have the long rest after our encounter with the angel? Yes, it was after that. I didn't reset my spells. Yeah, I, so I, I, I do don't that. think Maynard has actually cast anything uh, since the long rest. I think Rail's been doing all the casting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just needed to reset my spell slots because I hadn't taken any damage, so... Okay, okay I'm good. Yeah. Carry I'm on. Good. <laughs> the, the first obstacle in your path, Rail, is that this uh, stream down the middle of this hall is a good five feet wide and at least a couple of feet deep. So I would like to know whether you are wading or trying to hurdle this thing. You can jump that, it's fine. <laughs> Roll dexterity. <laughs> we can jump that, it's fine, he says. Roll either athletics or acrobatics to uh, just <laughs> leap across a stream. Oh boy, definitely going with acrobatics on that one. No, fuck you, dice. That's seven. <laughs> Congratulations, you're in a stream. Damn it. You you make it you you you're like you're racing along you're like I'm gonna just leap across and you just you just leap short and land with a stumble both feet down you're like thigh deep in a stream it's very cold all right you feel Trick less cool shouting, than you hoped Trick just shouting idiot and running as they have a goddamn flashback. <laughs> And then being relieved to find that the stream is about fly deep. Yeah. Rillis yeah. is wading towards the shore, and he's, like, shouting over his shoulder. The edge looks sturdier. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> of note, the edge is stone. The edge is absolutely fine. This is clearly just that Rill didn't jump far enough. Yeah. Whether no, you, yeah. you mention this uh, face-saving is up to you, but I wish to be clear that this is Rill's problem. <laughs> Everyone else is faced with the same choice of Accept getting wet, or uh, or try to jump. I think that we don't mind getting wet, considering what we might have to face later. Not worth the spell slots if I can walk through a stream. It's it's not particularly difficult to wade. It's um, it's flowing at a reasonable rate, but it's not so deep as to wash you away. Um, yeah, but at, least, but at least your feet wet. Does leave your feet wet. Um, and and Zouchette is going to look up at Trick, oh, who no. is tallest and strongest and say, I think that's going to be over my head. Can I have a piggyback? I nod, but also I say, hold on a second, um, because I have a cunning plan. I have a um, convenient chain, which I can literally skyhook. I'm not going to do either of the things you suggested. They sound bad and inconvenient. I'm going to swing across. (laughs) Amazing. Yes. <laughs> you you just set yourself up with a tire str- swing in the form of a couple of immovable rods yeah. and chain. <laughs> just tire swinging across. I believe I have in the past used them as monkey bars, but I'm not. I can't quite remember. I think you have. They can be used that way. And also, to you, like climb one over the other if you need to. <laughs> Requires a lot of arm strength because you're basically doing pull-ups, but. You can pull yourself up an infinite distance, in theory. Uh, all of this does make quite a lot of noise. 
Um, well, that's fine. Uh, we're not we're not worried about making noise, are we? You know, I I don't know. Are you? Uh, my, Look, my I can point... take a prophetic bird. I mean, what is it going to do? Be a uh, Harris specs? I'm going to be a Harris spec. Listen, I'm going to meet myself. <laughs> What, well, what I'm saying is that some of the uh, some of the birds are poking their heads out of their little niches and sort of clucking, um, because despite being gorgeously plumed and like twelve feet tall, they're also fundamentally birds uh, <laughs> with with about a chicken level of intelligence, and they're just sort of leaning out and clucking and looking at you. Um, they could definitely eat Zouchette. The rest of you, they might have more trouble with. Um, at the moment, however, they don't seem particularly inclined uh, to immediately swoop down and attack you. Just, you definitely have alerted the local wildlife. Anything that was following you definitely knows where you are. Makes a lot of noise falling in the stream. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you make it across uh, without loss of life or limb, uh, just some dignity. Uh, by which point you have probably uh, lost the uh, the end of your spell um, because it takes a certain amount of arranging to get over this. Yeah, this this thing. It's an only a ten minute spell. Um, however, you have been making quite a lot of noise, uh, so uh, you are no longer alone. And coming towards you from to, um, some of the ground. Sorry, some some of the niches are at nearly ground level and have like little ramps leading up into them. And down one of those, there are a couple of figures, uh, very clearly drow, not wearing these kind of formal long robes that you would have seen those of you who went to Kemadosh that time, um, closer to what Rill wears in his cleric's robes, uh, but wearing. Uh, quite rough and ready practical gear. It looks heavily and repeatedly mended, um, or some of it just crudely made replacement things. Um, there are two figures, uh, one clearly an archer, uh, with hair cut in a kind of asymmetric undercut. So, like, shaved on the left side of the head and braided on the right. Uh, and the other with hair cropped to about an inch all over, uh, who bears a distinct resemblance to Rill uh, and is wearing a silvery leather choker with blue and purple patterns. They look wary, um, as if this is a generally dangerous area, but, like, the one they are used to moving through, and they're just... Uh, coming towards you. Uh, Real is... Real's going to wave and, and let them approach, I think. Okay. Uh, the archer will stop about about ten feet away and just sort of hang back. Uh, she's got she's got her bow out um, and an arrow knocked, but it's it's held loosely and and pointing at the ground. It's not like someone who's threatening you, but like someone who is prepared. Um, and the the woman who who resembles Rill is just going to come right up and hug him, just straight up. Yeah, 
he hugs her back and he um is is doing his level best not to cry but is failing at this uh and just just hugs her as tight as he can you are so tall yeah surprise uh, m- mom these are um these are uh, the the people I've been traveling with, um, Trick and, and Ember and, and Maynard. Uh, here, c- come here. Uh, introduce yourselves, everybody. Hi, I'm Ember. I'm Mila. Uh, pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you. Um, as well. Oh, um, just checking. Does everyone speak under common? No. Oh. Okay. Oh, Mila no. has been speaking under common. Uh, the one thing she's said so far, Mila uh, yeah. has been speaking under common with Rill. Um, if you speak common to her, she can speak common, but it's fairly heavily accented. I'm not going to try and do the accent. Elvish? Um, honestly, probably better at over common than Elvish. So. But you, you do have a language in common, um, but yep. it's clear that she has not used her common for <laughs> some time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you are Maynard, and you are even Trick. taller. Gosh. I give her a tusky smile. I think Zuchette is probably still on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> just based on the time pass, that hasn't been very long. Oh, yes, and, and this is Zuchette. Really, it's speaking in undercommon, mm-hmm. um, for simplicity's sake. Zuchette just sort of waves because she can only speak one of these foreign languages at a time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There is, there is a, a, brief, a brief moment where the two of them exchange looks. The two of... Uh, Zuchette and Mila. And the approximate content of the looks they exchange is yeah, you look just as weird to me. <laughs> You gonna make well, something of this? Well, Mila would be familiar with gnomes, right? Or at least they would have been like a- around. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? What? Right? No, they vanished. Like a th- they vanished probably before she was born. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, they vanished. Like, they vanished clear. during the last time gods were being killed. And to be clear, um, they were never okay. common up top. Mm. Well, they, no, they, I was yeah. thinking like she would have. Seen one at least, or something. But no, mm-hmm. okay, I had right, my right. my time However, mixed up. I think. Yeah, I think you probably. I think yeah, I think you got them. Possibly got them conflated with dwarves. Um, obviously, she's seen a lot of dwarves, <laughs> and some of them lived. But there's this these these two these two grown women give each other this look of of all the things that are happening today. This one isn't important. Don't embarrass us both by making a fuss over it. Sorry to break up the tier four union, but should we maybe be on a different, be back in the material plane? We have our gem, we have our rescue. I suggest urgently. Did, did we need two gems? We can find there was another a expedition, wasn't there? Well, yeah, I some... thought it would have. I thought we had discussed it would be ideal to be able to get them in one place. Zushat? 
if we can get both that, that would be perfect. Also, how many are we? Is it just these two? What I saw was was more than that. Um, I'll ask. And he does. Oh. He asks, um, how how many yes, people? Yes, sorry. Uh, uh, this uh, this is uh, Runa. No, sorry, that's a lie because I said it was one of the archers. So I'm going to redo that. There's five of us. Uh, this is Kez. Uh, there's her brother Wyvern. There's Tebet and and Runa as well as me. All right, Zusha, can can you take that many? Five other people and all of us. Five. No. No, we're one make... over. Can you make two trips? In theory, but the odds are bad that I would end up in the, in the same place when I came back here. We'd have to do another expedition to find our way back to the apiary. <laughs> in theory, there should be portals out of realms like this, and they shouldn't all be closed. Let's go and uh, reunite with your friends and Maybe you'll have seen something that we can make use of. Um, Mila will be very happy to lead you back uh, up uh, that ramp and into a, a small but fairly cozy living space uh, that they have put together for themselves over what has been a number of years. Uh, it encompasses uh, three or four of the little niches, but they have... Uh, improvise partial coverings for those. So they've partially blocked them off with bits of stonework to uh, discourage the birds from trying to nest in these ones uh, to keep them for themselves. They've cobbled together some furniture. There is a fire pit that's clearly well established uh, based on uh, the sort of level of scorching. There is the incongruous nature of, of it's all improvised, it's all been scavenged, but it's been scavenged from a realm where many things are very beautiful and ornate. So there are a couple of big jars that are probably just holding water, but are beautifully decorated and elaborate, as if they once held sacred oil. That kind of thing. Um, there are some more practical supplies stacked up in the corner of one that have been obviously very carefully kept. Uh, there's leather, there's a cup, just a couple of bundles of arrows that have been fletched or possibly re-fletched with very beautiful, iridescent, peacock-like feathers. There's a certain amount of food supplies, a combination of surprisingly fresh looking a sort of bread and mushroom type supplies a fair amount of veg fresh looking green vegetables but not ones that you recognize uh, which all look somewhat oversized hmm. um another of those ornate pots which has been filled with some kind of grain some kind of dried grain um and quite a lot stacked up of uh, smoked and dried meat. Uh, the fire is going, um, and there is a very old and battered and carefully, carefully maintained traveling kettle that is balanced over this fire, 
Will looks at Maynard. <laughs> oh, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> that is oddly gratifying. Uh, the fire is being tended uh, by someone who, by drow standards, is a bit of a tank. Meaning he's like five foot eight and built for a drow. He, he looks like a twink, but one who actively goes to the gym. Ah, oh, you mean a twink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By drow standards, he's very, uh, very heavily built um, and is probably the owner of the shield that is balanced against one of the is leaning against the far wall um which like the kettle looks like an original drow shield um the sword that mila is carrying uh doesn't look like it's drow make it looks like at some point it was taken off a celestial oh <laughs> the bows that uh kez and uh a man who is clearly kez's brother wyvern are carrying look as carefully maintained and patched and cared for as the kettle. Everyone's clothes, though, have been... Yeah, they look like people who've been shipwrecked for a couple of decades in this weird divine plane where some things are readily available and there are giant birds and angels sometimes. Um... <laughs> the weirdest shipwreck ever. Right, but not very many, you know, trees. Mm. Um, and as you're looking closer, thinking, ah, yes, the natural resources you've had have been an odd mix. Where are they getting the firewood, you think? And you look closer? That's a rock. The stonework around it has that same blackened and cracked look of somewhere that a fire has been repeatedly built. Mm -hmm. And it has a sort of hazy trick of the light about it where your eye kind of glides off it going, ah, oh, yes, this is a fire. But it's not a fire. It's about a fist-sized, smooth-edged rock. Uh, there's, there is some hasty conversation going on in Undercommon, mostly along the lines of logistics for what they need to pack up whether everyone is ready, are we having lunch first, how exactly are we getting out of here, leading round to, apparently there's one too many of us. Um, which for those who speak under common, which may just be real? I think it may just be real, yeah. Okay. Unless yeah. Maynard knows it. No. Okay, just real then. Um, these people have immediately progressed into an argument about who's staying behind if there's one too many people. Uh, is going to immediately bring up Zusev's idea and try and, um, between talking to Zusev and translating to the rest of this group, mm -hmm. try and figure out what one of those portals she mentioned would look like. Okay, uh, Zusev is going to uh, switch her translation circlet into Undercommon. Um, and dive straight into talking to the stranded drow directly. Okay. Um, so you are free to translate for the rest of the party, but Zushet is going to instead become unable to speak common for a minute. That's fine, yeah. Real will translate for the rest yeah, of the party. Yeah. The stranded drow do have a series of partial maps that they've made on mostly scavenged paper from um, around the realm that they've managed to find. Um, 
And what becomes clear is that if you go too far down, it gets worse in terms of the fragmentation of the place. And in particular, what seems to be at the bottom is not not exactly void, which, as you would find between the fragments, uh, but some kind of infinite blinding white light. Uh, and there is some discussion of whether this constitutes a portal, because a couple of people have fallen into it. Unfortunately, what Rill will have will will Rill will not be able to identify any evidence of those people having ever reappeared. I was just going to ask. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't surprise anyone because everyone was pretty sure those people were dead. We're dead, and we might not think that if if people showed up randomly. Um, but it also doesn't okay. really surprise anyone here because they were all pretty sure those people were dead. They had five minutes of hope there that it might have been some kind of portal, but it oh. doesn't seem likely. No, okay. Um, so the strongest candidate that anyone can come up with, um, which given an NPC wizard is discussing this with a number of NPCs, I'm just going to skip to the conclusion because I don't think me talking to myself will be very interesting. Although if any of you want to start conversations with any of these people, please feel free. Um, over the course of half an hour or so, looking at these maps and talking through landmarks and um, places of interest that they've seen, because in their time here, they have explored quite extensively. Um, they've been living in the aviary um, for several years now because there is easy access to food and water, because food magically appears to feed the birds. The birds themselves are edible. Um, and they serve as excellent like watchdog alarms if anything more dangerous is coming along because they all go into a tizzy and start squawking. It's nice to have neighbours that let you know when Avenging Angels are coming through. But in their time exploring, they have encountered several landmarks, and uh, they, they settle on one as a strong candidate. Um, how exactly to operate it? They are not entirely sure, but Zouchette seems fairly confident that it's the kind of place that is likely to correspond to a portal, and that she can probably figure out how to open it when she gets down there. Okay. What is it? Where is it? Uh, it is a place they have taken to calling the Starwell. It's about half a day's journey. And it needs to be powered by something? Real is looking at Zushet at this point. No way to know until we get there. But probably... I, I wouldn't expect it to need a power source. I would expect it to need to be triggered. Uh, possibly by some of your skills rather than mine. We'll see when we get there. However, I'm told it is all quite dangerous. It's a it's a big hole in the floor, Mila steps in, with statues at the bottom, but we've never gone down into it because the the it's the larger chamber that it's in has a perpetual fog 
along the floor, and when you go in, it forms into creatures and attacks you. We can hold our own in there, but we've never managed to do so for long enough to get down and explore the well in the middle, but if there's twice as many of us, it's worth a try. Th that is assuming you're as capable as you all look. Ember hefts their axe and, uh, and says, well, I'd certainly like to think so. We'll be able to handle it, especially with ten of us. Probably easiest if we get there first, and then take a look at the terrain and make our plans before we uh, get close enough to disturb anything. We can get quite a good view from uh, one of the corridors, and the, uh, the other stranded drow are, like, packing up supplies. I assume Rill clues us in on the shape of the plan. Yes. He will, yeah, he will translate the um, idea of the plan. Can, can you ask him if there's, if there's stairs between here and there? Or squeezes? Real, uh, real asks. A fair amount of stairs, yes. Why? Um, I, will also, I will also bring with me... Um, I will also bring with me... You said they had, like, various, like, basically stolen bird food, right? Yes. Um, is like a lot of part of their stores. Cool. Um, I imagine since they're planning on leaving, they won't be too worried about um, me stocking up. In particular, I want a bunch of a bunch of anything that looks like oats, etc. Because if there's like a big area full of enemies, then I'm going to be fighting on a horseback if I can. <laughs> but I can't get the horse until I'm past the stairs because otherwise they have to carry a horse downstairs and it's quite a big horse <laughs> like I know I'm quite strong but it's quite a big horse they, they, are, they are willing to let you pack up some some amount of, of basically birdseed, yes <laughs> um, it, it's an unfamiliar grain um, but if people can eat it, probably so can horses apparently they mostly make it into a sort of porridge because yeah. it's better if you Boil it so it softens. I mean, I, 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 out of character, I am. I'm reasonably sure the horses can eat most grains. <laughs> right, same. I haven't looked into it. Yeah, my belief is that this is probably fine for the horse. Hmm. Trick, trick looks at it and is like, this is probably fine for the horse. Mm -hmm. uh, what the drow are particular. So, uh, in addition to um, the the kind of packing up of of food that suggests people who have made this mistake before. Um, that at the moment they're in a place where lots of food appears. Not everywhere in this realm is so generous. Um, quite a lot of what they're carrying is, is, um, is the, the dried meat type rations. Um, they're also packing up the two bundles of arrows, various um, bits and pieces uh, from they have a couple of sleeping chambers. Um, they're packing up various sort of keepsakes and things that they keep in there. Um, and also several bundles of the uh, very iridescent feathers. Hmm. Oh, I will remember to ask Will to let them know that um, they shouldn't worry about... Wait, no, I'm going to be on horseback. Actually, wait. Yeah, Will will explain, like, the... St I get... Trick does have like the horse statue on their um, belt or something, right? Or is it their bag? Uh, some sort of pouch. 
All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll ask to bring it out and kind of explain, you know, a horse is going to come out of this. It's fine. Uh, ben. Mm-hmm. Um, it, while I am riding my horse. Yes. Is she, is she immune to, is she immune to the spell fireball? No. Shatter, etc. You are. Mm. She's oh, not. Well. You should you probably buy that in line. Yeah, I got that shield, remember? It's the thing that... that, that um... Oh, I thought it was something yeah. horse-related. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, yes, D&D horses. Notoriously <laughs> immune. I mean, I will shattered. note that the Cavalier <laughs> that the cavalier class like, does have a lot of, stu- a lot of stuff <laughs> about true. protecting your horse. Um, you, could, you could have like a shield. It is a shield-based enchantment. Yeah. Um, no, no, not buying it. Um... Uh, okay, I think the answer is, if you took the time to, instead of use your shield like a shield, tie it on your horse like a horse breastplate, <laughs> then your horse would get the benefit. Otherwise, it's just you. <laughs> it's not both. Right, the horse gets the benefit instead of me. Um, yeah, in that case, at least note that, like, hey, it's likely, it's it's not unlikely that I will, that I will dismount at some point, at which point, you can cast fireballs directly onto me if any of you are casters. Also, None of us are, unfortunately. Yeah, well. Worth letting people know. No casters and no priests. Not anymore. At some point during all of this sort of prepping and packing, um, the argument over who's staying behind clearly hasn't entirely gone away because a couple of them will go up and have intense conversations in whispers with Zuchette, who is looking increasingly worried and at least a couple of times recounts everyone's heads. As a point of... as a as a small point, um, mm-hmm. Ben, um, I, I know that it's a, I know this is a very high level spell even for her, mm-hmm. um, but I believe Plane Shift does have the option to to banish a single person, not including. It, it does, and Zuchette is aware of that <laughs> and, and considerations of that option, mm-hmm. uh, which is that okay. she is reluctant to risk dumping anyone into the equivalent of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, yeah, well, there is that. Because it is, like, fully random where they would die. <laughs> <laughs> um, Surprise, you, you are on the right plane, but you woke up in the triple braid, so good luck. Or in the sea. Or in the sea. Your or on her side of the crabs. world, and you are now falling into the void. Ooh. Like, there are a couple of spells she has that could just send someone home, but it is fully random where they would go. So, yeah, that is your insight into Zuchette's thinking, where she's like, mm, what if not that? As a last resort, maybe. <laughs> but it's not a good solution. <laughs> Hi, Rill, we found your mother. We dropped her into the Pacific Ocean. She's out there somewhere. We probably wouldn't do it to her mother. Um, <laughs> no, probably not. Whichever <laughs> one of the other NPCs annoys Zuchette the most, that's who. Like, let's face it, it would be Teb at the Himbo. <laughs> would be the one... Don't put the himbo in the ocean. <laughs> it's not guaranteed to be the ocean. It might just be, you know, a mountain no- somewhere. Nothingness. A field. Okay. The plaguelands. Hmm. A cave. Any of these options. It's random. My point is it's random. Um, but yes, that is one of the weapons in the arsenal. Um, and Zuchette will explain that if you ask her in character. Okay. All right. <sighs> If we find ourselves all about to be crushed, then I will do exactly that. I will send someone to wherever they go, 
and then take everyone else via plane shift. But it's not a good solution. <sighs> Better to go and fight whatever these fog monsters are. Okay. Does anyone want to do anything in the dovecot or um, in in the uh, the sort of shipwreck uh, living situation before you start on about half day's journey? Uh, you've got your fodder. The the stranded people have packed up their stuff, um, including, by the way, the campfire rock. The illusion of a campfire rock? It is not. So what you witness is Kez turning to Tebert, who has been packing up various bits of the, the more portable, like camping kitchen equipment, like the kettle and things, mm-hmm. and says, don't forget the campfire. And Tebbit rolls his eyes and says, I'm not going to forget the campfire, Kez. And reaches out with his sword and taps sharply on top of the rock twice with his sword. And sheathes his sword and waits 30 seconds or so. And then just reaches out and picks up the rock. Um, which no longer has that heat haze around it. Huh. It's just a fist-sized smooth rock. And he puts it in his pack. What is that? It's, uh, this is, this is halting because he hasn't spoken common in like a couple of decades. It's a, it's a rock. It gets hot. You tap it, it gets hot. You tap it again, it stops getting hot. Here, it's just warm. And he'll hand it to you to feel, and it is pleasantly warm. It's like... Like warming your hands on a a mug of coffee. That's fascinating. Did you tap it? it Find it here. Hmm. Years and years ago. Different part of the place. Maynard hands it back. Very good rock. This is my favorite rock. (laughs) Puts it back in his pack. <laughs> wholesome exchange. <laughs> it's a lovely cultural exchange here. <laughs> Look, it's not his fault you don't speak undercommon. He's much smarter in undercommon. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that we were continuing the trend of no one being uh, cis because that's clearly a non binary uh, drow <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> you should Hang on, no, what stereotype is that? Non-binary rocks. people like rocks? Yeah. Is this people don't say things like that about rocks? <laughs> so what I say is cis people do not have favorite rocks. <laughs> this is this is unequivocally and um, this is this unequivocally untrue because I, I one of my housemates is a geologist and he is and he's oh. very cis and he has shown me many of his favorite rocks. <laughs> <laughs> He just has good taste, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Are you doing any kind of, of... You're about to leave this area. Do you wish to complete any more side quests before you leave this area? Uh, amongst everything else that's going on while people are packing up and, and things, mm-hmm. um, Real is, is going to say, oh, that, um, that reminds me, this is yours. And he hasn't had to wear his veil while they're in here. Um, 
so he put it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll take out the one that was Mila's, um, that has all the very nice stitching and the moons and, and things like that. He has other ones that he can cast through, but this one is, you know, was hers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hands it over. She oh. um, is clearly very touched and does that thing where you sort of the thing people do with like old clothes and things where they sort of press it to their face and and smell it mm-hmm. and like traces the embroidery with her fingers <laughs> your father bought me this one yeah he um he he kept it and he he wanted me to have it when i started um learning spells and and things and I, I tried to take good care of it while while we were on the road. You have done. It's in beautiful condition, and you should still have it and still use it. And your father can buy me a new one. Should have holds it out to you with both hands. Real takes it and um and just holds it in his head and sort of does the same thing. He he presses a part of it against his cheek and and nods and and tucks it back into his bag after a moment. She's going to sort of steal a few minutes to just <laughs> just a big old cuddle hug before you hit the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which all of her companions kind of get that packing up is more, more their job because this is a thing. Uh, are any of these people, like, anybody, like, would the real be familiar with any of these people's, like, families or anything like that? Hmm. Um, this is completely inconsequential, I think, but something he'd be curious about. I, th- I think you possibly would have heard of, of a couple of the family names, just because uh, people who ended up... A, a lot of people joined the, the Drow army, or the arm, at least the, uh, the war force, in a fairly irregular capacity. So people often were in squads with people that they knew or whose families they knew. Uh, so you don't, you know, you obviously don't know any of these people personally because you were much too young. Um, uh, but Wyvern and Kez are from the Onrezka family, who you you know that family. Um, you've probably had dinner with some of their cousins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, over the Kev next. might be a know. distant cousin, but you'd have to like actually compare. Right. Look at the family tree and. Right. It might. That. It might just be by marriage on both sides. You're not quite sure. Uh, you actually have a family connection with Tebbet, um, but the, your your families have some kind of link. Okay. They do all introduce themselves by by their full names at some point, but their full names are like long drow names with apostrophes in. <laughs> they clearly do not routinely use them in the same way that Rill habitually calls himself Rill, right? Despite having like a ten syllable name. Uh, he might also um, mention while they're on the road after they've gotten started. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll say, "I um, I hope you aren't uh, surprised. I when I changed my name, I um, I chose one with the same the same meaning. I I quite like that part of it." Mila kind of leans over and bumps your shoulder as you're walking. Says it's a good name. I like it. And you are so handsome. Real laughs a little bit and <laughs> Thanks. You have I have uh... your father's chin. 
uh, Rill is incredibly pleased <laughs> by this. Um, and and he he'll he'll try and fill her in on just wh- like a hundred years of family yeah, gossip. Like hundred years of family gossip. Like um, he'll tell her about Silas uh, and and their betrothal. She is, she, she is a little offended, not in the. In the kind of way that someone knows they're being unfair because you had no way to know that she was still around, but she's still a little offended that anyone arranged her baby's engagement without her input. Yeah, he'll tell her all about Silas, which is probably, I was going to say it's the most any of the party has heard him talk about Silas, but none mm. of the rest of the party can They might pick out her name amongst everything else, but like... <laughs> He's talking rapidly, so maybe not. <laughs> maybe not, yeah. Yeah, Mila is just just a little bit unfairly offended that anyone arranged her baby's engagement without her input. Because it's just... That's her responsibility. It's her job. Oh, we haven't gotten married yet, quite. Good. I would be hurt if I was not invited to your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to as- go ahead and assume that you are being sensible and letting the people who know where you're going navigate, so we won't need any survival for that. Um, Those of you with high passive perception, um, because you have reason to listen out for it as well, uh, you are still occasionally hearing in the quieter moments, which are fewer than they were when there's 10 people, 11 people on the move. 10 people on the move, I think. Yeah, 10 people on the move. You just have that that occasional noise at the edge of your hearing that suggests there may be another creature following you, tracking you. Um, at one point you have to splash, not exactly through a stream, but through a, a flooded hallway. It's about 20 feet wide, so there's no possibility of jumping it, but it's only about six inches deep. Um, and once you've all crossed it and got 100 yards further on, just at the edge of your hearing, just another set of splashy footsteps. That suggests you are still being tracked. Mm. And it does take you about half a day's travel further on. Um, so it's, it's, it's been about a full day's travel by the time you get there. However, that doesn't mean you're unable to do anything more today. It's just, you know, it's about 6pm. About dinner time by the time you, you, you get there. And you get a chance to kind of survey the area because this very large chamber is surrounded by corridors that have balcony openings overlooking the space. And you gather on one of those and and look out. And I'm going to just turn my webcam on for you so you can see this beautiful, beautiful map. Oh, duck vision. Duck vision. How do I make this bigger? Just click on it. Oh, there it goes. Yeah. So what you are seeing is this large square room with uh, sections missing from the corners. So it is broadly cross-shaped. And the main floor of it is all covered in a swirling silvery fog, constantly moving. And you are co- as you look at the fog, you are constantly seeing... Hints and shadows of shapes that could be, you know, that could be a head, that could 
be the spine of something moving and then it drifts back into the fog and you can see that it's kind of standing ready to form into things if disturbed. In the center of the room, there is a deep pit, uh, somewhere between a cross or a star shape. It's about 20 feet deep and there are no stairs. There's no fog at the bottom of that. Instead, there are four statues standing at the ends of a further depression in the center, which is only about a foot deep. It's just a step down to the very center once you get into the pit. There are statues at each corner and some kind of something very difficult to focus your eye on. It's like a distortion uh, in the very center of the pit. Like, you can see how this sprang to mind when they were asked about things that might be portals, because this does look indefinably like it could be a crack in the world. Except that it's also nothing. And you can see right through it. But it does look promising, and Zouchette says so. Uh, but to get down there and activate it, you are at least going to have to get past the fog creatures. Uh, and some people are going to have to be in, in the pit. Um, mm -hmm. What sort the, of creatures do they usually turn into? A variety of things. It's been a while since we tried. Uh, I don't think even... I'm not even sure if they always kept the same shape once they formed. But my thinking is... Often defend... You know, I think they're defending that pit, and I think if we can get the portal open, they might stop. But I don't trust those statues at all. So my thinking is, if we stick with the teams we're used to, and if we take the, the fog monsters because we fought them, and you folks go down in the pit and deal with whatever the statues do, try and get the portal open. Um, this fog, is it the kind of fog that sort of swirls around your ankles, or is it obscuring sight at any distance? Um, it's... No, it 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 is a it is a a fog layer along the ground. Um, it it's at least a foot deep. Um, but so you would have difficulty uh, picking up small items off the ground through it. Um, but it's not going to obscure um in, in mechanically in terms of fighting. And if I did destroy water on it, probably best not to try. Might make something angry. I think we're going to make them angry anyway. Okay. Just letting you know that that's something I can do. Does it just move it around or destroy it? Destroys fog. A 30-foot cube. That's pretty good. Mmm. But I... It's mostly for, you know, clearing the air, if you're having a hard time seeing. If it just stays on the floor, then it shouldn't be a problem. And normally fog doesn't turn into monsters, so I don't know if this is normal fog. True. Very true. Maybe you'll just um, dehydrate them. <laughs> if it comes to it, and nothing else works, I'm glad I've got it up my sleeve. How are you all with 20-foot climbs? Oh, not great, 
But I've done it before, and I'll do it again. Well, we've got the got the blockchain. We can climb down that. Yeah, down is pretty easy. Shorter than the cliffs. That's what I was thinking of. It still scares me, but that can't be helped. At least not in the short term, anyway. And if our friend decides that uh, when we're dealing with statues would be a good time to attack? Then whichever group ends up fighting it gives a shout if they can't handle it. We could turn and try to fight it now, but if it doesn't want to be seen, it'll just retreat off into the maze and we'll never find it. Has it been getting closer? You have never managed to catch sight of it. You've only sometimes managed to hear it following you. As far as you can tell, it has been consistently keeping its distance. Okay. All right, Rill is going to resolve to worry about it if it happens. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, he is going to cast a death ward on Mila before they okay. go into the room. What does that do? Um, he, you touch a creature and it grants a measure of protection from death. The first time they would drop to zero hit points as a result of taking damage. They drop to one hit point instead, and then the spell ends. And it's a one-time, one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're subject to an effect that would kill them instantaneously without dealing damage, the effect is negated. I don't know any what that would be. <laughs> that's kind of a weird caveat, but um, there it is. No, there's a, there's a couple of things. Um, I think technically power word kill doesn't injure you. It just kills you. Oh, okay. Well, I I really hope nothing in here is power word kill. Right. But you never uh, know. That could do it. I think there's I think like if you're if you're astrally projecting, I think there's a thing. Oh yeah. There's, there's, there's a couple, couple of things of, like, that could weird yeah. ones. Oh, I see what yeah. they put it in. It's to cover things that make you dead but don't technically injure you. They just make you dead. Make you dead, <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll cast it on her then. <laughs> I have made a note of it. Okay. So you make your way down the. Uh... I would like to cast Crusader's mantle if there's a chance, yeah. like right yeah. before we get ready to fight. And I cast Mage Armor. Okay, you've cast Mage Armor. You've cast Crusader's mantle. You've cast Death Guard. You're all huddled, uh, sort of just outside one of the, the archway door into uh, the main space. Um, huh. You will have about twenty feet to cover, and then there is a drop, which you have agreed to be the ones who go down. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think we will have you begin this endeavor next episode. I, I guess I reconsider my horse. Come Out and Play is a real play podcast project, all trans, all the time. You can find us at CAOPcast on Patreon and on Twitter, and at our website, comeoutandplay.games. If you're trans or non binary and you'd like to get involved, drop us a line. And as always, If you enjoy our show, share it with your friends. And if you don't enjoy our show, share it with your enemies. Word of mouth is how a project like this gets attention, and we just love attention. What I need is a saddle of Featherfall. (laughs) (laughs) 